Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who is accused of murdering his son, Paul, and his wife, Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes, including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we concluded our look at the direct examination of Rogan Gibson, a friend with whom Paul Murdoch exchanged text messages just before Paul was killed. In this installment, we review the remainder of Mr. Gibson's testimony. That's all coming up right after the break. Good afternoon, Rogan. How you doing? We, we've met many times, haven't we? Yes, sir. Tell the jury more about Paul, please. What did y'all like to do together? We loved hunting, fishing, just hanging around. We loved staying at the beach, going to the sandbar. He was, he could get along with just about anybody. See, one of your best friends? He is. Is this a hard day for you? Yes, sir. Did you live um, one summer in, in the cabin there on the property? Yes, me, Buster, and Nolan lived in the cabin, and Paul was there a lot. Right. And and when you got a house of your own, I think I mean it was just right down the road, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Down Moselle Road. Yes, sir. It was your grandparents' house, or you moved into. That's correct. For that, Miss Maggie and Big Red over here, Mr. Alec, I mean they treated you as family, didn't they? That's correct. They did. And. Paul was like a brother to you? Yes, sir. And Ms. Maggie was like a second mom to you? Yes, sir. And Mr. Allen was like a second dad? Yes, sir, he was. And could you tell the jury how what you observed Alex's relationship was starting with you? What was his relationship with you? We had a good relationship. I mean, he treated me like one of his own. We had fun. He, he gave me permission to hunt the property. Do you have permission to come and go and down at the shop? I did. Did you have permission to use any of the equipment? Yes, sir. And did you help out on, on the on the farm for game management and stuff? I did. Okay. And can you tell the jury a little bit about Mr. Alex's relationship with his son, Paul? Very good relationship. Were Very they, good. Were they close? They were. Nothing happened without Paul telling Mr. Alec about it. Jury's heard some Alec interviewed on the tape, various about how the Moselle property was Paul's passion. It was. You agree with that? Yes, sir. Why do you think it was his passion? What why what was he so passionate about out there? He he just loved hunting and 
using the equipment to manage for wild game fishing. Right. Loved all of that. Paul, a good friend? Yes, sir. Was he a loyal friend? He was. Was he a loyal son? Yes, sir. Tell me about Miss Maggie. She was like a second mother to me. Always took care of me. Treated me like one of hers. Did um, you spend time with down at Edisto? I did. And um, you and Paul and Miss Maggie sometimes, just the three of you down there? It was. Okay. What did Miss Maggie like to do? She liked the beach. When they were down at Edisto, were you the only friend welcome at the Edisto house, or, or what was it like? There was many friends that were welcome to the house. Adult friends, or, or was it most Miss Maggie, Miss Alex, home? Was it open to all of Paul and Buster's friends? It was open to all of Paul and Buster's friends. And was that the case at Edisto? That's correct. Was that the case at Moselle? It was. Did it appear to you that Mr. Alec enjoyed being around his family? Yes, sir, he did. And did you enjoy being around Mr. Alec and Miss Maggie? Yes, sir. Do you remember in early 2019 that Paul's in a boating accident? Yes, sir. And a beautiful young woman died in that accident, didn't they? Yes, sir. Her name was Mallory Beach? That's correct. And Paul was eventually charged, is that correct? Yes, sir. Did Paul receive any threats or harassments that you knew about as a result of that boating accident? None that I thought was real serious. I mean, he mentioned it that, you know, he'd get people comment about it, but nothing that I thought was real serious. Would people just mouth off to him when he went out bars or just with his friends? Yes, sir. He hadn't mentioned that. But was it anything that, that you thought was serious in nature? No, and a lot of times I wasn't there when that happened. So yeah. I didn't think it was that serious. You played sports when you were a kid growing up? Yes, sir. I think your dad was a coach, was he? Yes, sir. And was Mr. Alec a coach to Paul and Buster? He was. Did Mr. Alec, when he wasn't coaching, would, would he and Ms. Maggie come to all the sporting events for the kids? They were always there. Can you think of them ever missing a sporting event for Buster and Paul? Not that I can remember. And they come to your sporting events? Yes. Now, um, when Paul had an apartment in 2021. He, he, he was starting to go back to school at um, Carolina. Do you remember that? He was in college. Yes, sir. School year. That's correct. And then in June, he moved back home. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Was he living at Moselle for the most part? I think he was staying at Moselle some, but kind of all over the place. And sometimes he stayed with his Uncle John Marvin down at um, Bluffton? Yes, sir. And he was working with his Uncle John Marvin. When? That's correct. Okay. Now, when he was on the farm, when he was at Moselle, can you tell the jury about all the farm trucks there at Moselle? Yeah, there was a lot of different vehicles that could be used anywhere from ATVs to tractors. Well, let's just talk about the trucks. Okay. What what was Paul's primary truck? Around the farm, most of the time, F-250. All right, but what was his primary mode of transportation? Was it a truck? It was a F-150. And was it white? It was. And did he drive that around the farm some? Sometimes, yes. And then there was a big F-250. That's correct. And that was also white, wasn't it? That's correct. Did that have a name, the f Big F-250 farm truck? Yeah, white boy. That was the older F-250. And then there was a, another one called Dolly? That's correct. That was a newer F-250. That was a newer F-250. And then there was a, was there a black truck? There was. And that was um, F-150? It was. And was that uh, Buster's old truck? It was. So Buster had a uh, another vehicle and his old F-150 stayed at Moselle, correct? That's correct. And then Paul had his 
white 150 pickup, and he was not at Moselle. There were still three other trucks at Moselle, right? That's correct. Dolly, white boy, and then Buster's old black pickup. That's correct. And when Paul was there, he would drive any one of those trucks, wouldn't he? Yes, sir. On the farm. And no matter which one he, he was driving, he would most often have a, some sort of firearm in the truck, right? That's correct. Most of the time on the farm, he had a firearm in the vehicle. And those trucks, they would either stay down at the shed, the workshop, or, or at the house. I mean, there was no set place for them, correct? That's correct. And they didn't lock the trucks up, did they? Not normally. And then Paul would leave guns in the trucks, wouldn't he? That's correct. And Paul would leave guns everywhere, just about, wouldn't he? Yeah, he could leave. He left a lot of stuff different places. Yeah. Did he ever leave any guns at your house? Uh, I'm sure he has over the years. Okay. And then uh, he would leave guns in the workshop, right? I have seen guns in the workshop, yes. And then um, did they keep the workshop locked? It just depends. Not a whole lot, but I have remembered it's being locked. Yes. Was it more often not locked than locked? Probably more recent. Yeah, it, it wasn't locked. If someone were bent on mischief, would it be a hard thing to go up on that property and steal stuff? Probably not around the, the sheds. It wouldn't be too hard. And if someone were bent on mischief, would it be a hard thing to go open up and rifle through or look through White Boy or Dolly or Buster's old black pickup truck? That is possible, does. And there were no security cameras down at the old airplane hangar, the, the workshop, the kennels, and the pole barn and skinny shed, were they? Not that I was ever aware of. And the, the cabin where you guys stayed that summer, there was no security cameras there either, right? Not that I knew of. And was that cabin, did it stay locked? Sometimes it was locked, sometimes it wasn't. Paul left guns there too, didn't he? I have seen guns in that, that cabin before, yes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After eliciting testimony from Rogan Gibson about the lax security on the Murdoch's property, defense attorney Jim Griffin next asked the witness about Murdoch's family relatives. You talked about handsome. Who's handsome? Mr. Randolph Murdoch. And, and Ms. Libby is... Is M. M. And that's Paul and Buster's grandparents, right? That's correct. And you know where they live? In Almeda. Almeda. Just generally, where's Almeda? It's on the outside of Barnville. Okay. Is it like a crossroads? It's a veer off. Go toward Ridgeland. If you go, if you veer off, if you stay on that road, you go to the embassy. Right. If you're coming out of Hampton toward Barnville, then where the veer off is, that's called Almeda? That's correct. Now... To get to Almeda and the most direct route, and so this is the main house right here, correct? That's correct. And you can get down to Moselle Road by going one or two ways, right? You can either take a left and go down by the shop and the kennels, or you can go straight out the main driveway. Is that right? Yes, you can go out both ways. But when you hit Moselle Road, would you turn right or left if you're going the most direct route to Almeda? Turn right. 
and be going down this way. That's correct. Jim Griffin next asked Mr. Gibson about Paul's cell phone usage. You ask a little bit about Paul's cell phone usage. He, he was on it a lot. He was on it a lot, yes, sir. Yeah. And did it battery get down low pretty regularly? Yes, he would let his phone die sometime or he would lose it. Well, and, and when it would get down low, did, did he have a habit of you know, not using it to try to keep him going all the way out? Yes, I have seen that happen before. And have you done that yourself? <laughs> yes, sir. Griffin next asked the witness about cell phone coverage on the Murdoch's property. Phone coverage, cell phone coverage on that property is somewhat, when I say that property, I'm talking about Moselle, somewhat spotty, isn't it? It is. Is there better coverage up at the house than down at the kennels? I wouldn't think so. I mean, and, it's kind of hidden this. And you can be down at the kennels and you can be, oh, well, 10 yards one way, you'd have some coverage. 10 yards the other way, you wouldn't have coverage. Is that right? That's correct. The defense attorney next refers to an aerial photograph as he asks Rogan Gibson a series of questions related to distances on that property. Back up here, we don't have any measurements on, on how, what this distance is from the kennels to the house, but I mean, if you're just driving in a buggy or a car or what have you, I mean, tell the jury roughly how long it would take in a vehicle to go from the kennels to the house. It all depends how fast you're driving, but it don't take long to get from the sheds to the house. I mean, you can do it under two minutes? Definitely under two minutes. Going fast enough, you can do it in a minute or less, I suspect. Is that right? Yes, if you're going fast enough, you would be able to make it from the sheds to the house in under a minute. Griffin then pivots to inquire about the witness's direct testimony regarding the hunting habits that he and Paul Murdoch shared. You were uh, asked about turkey season. And when it started and when it ended, you remember, and you can tell me, I don't know, when's turkey season start? Yes, yeah, most time mid-March to early May. How about duck season? When's that start? The first season starts around Thanksgiving, I think, the week the weekend before Thanksgiving. And when's the um, second season start? Sometime in December. And when's it end? Uh, end of January. Do um, you go duck hunting with Paul? Yes, sir, I have. And, and they had a duck pond on the property? That's correct. And, and did they keep it full all year, or did they drain it and plant it for the season? Yeah, they would, they would drain it after dog season and be ready to plant in the springtime. And you helped with that? I did. And would Mr. Alec be involved help doing that? But He would. And that was part of Paul's passion, doing things like that? That's correct. Waterfowl shells load are different than uh, turkey load, right? That's correct. And what's the difference? Steel shot. Steel shot for what? For ducks. Waterfowl. And, and why? Is it just preferred or is it required? It's required. Because you don't want lead in the water? That's correct. Okay. But for hunting purposes, if you just had your choice, would you rather hunt with lead or steel? Lead shot. Because it has greater knockdown power? It does. Okay. Is that why you would rather? Or, or just price too, I suspect. What's that again? Why would you prefer lead over steel? It has better not them. It's better. Okay. Now, you were asked questions about 300 blackouts. And one time, Paul had his own, and Buster had his own. They had two 300 blackouts. you remember that? I did. And then you heard that um, Paul had uh, had one stolen out of his truck at a party? That's correct. And do you remember roughly when that was? I'm not exactly sure. Years ago? Yeah, it's been a good many years ago. When in, in recent memory, did you, have you ever seen Paul with a 300 blackout other than the black one with the thermal scope? Not to my knowledge. 
So whenever you were with Paul and he had a 300 blackout, it was the black one with the thermal scope. That's correct. Did you ever see a 300 blackout around the house that was black without a thermal scope? Not to my knowledge, I haven't. Heard it. What's a thermal scope? Picks up the heat from the animal. You can see it at nighttime because of the heat. Just for night hunting? That's correct. And that's the best time to hunt hogs? It is. But during the daytime, they stay in the swamp? That's correct. At night, they come out? Yes, sir. And do y'all had, had cameras out there to see when they were coming out? Sometimes we did. The defense attorney then moves on to Mr. Gibson's crucial piece of testimony regarding the video Paul took of his dog, Cash. You listened to this videotape and heard that, that was your dog, Cash? It was. Chocolate Lab? Yes, sir. And, and you heard Ms. Maggie? Yes, sir. And you heard Paul, obviously. That's correct. And, and Ms. Maggie was saying he got a, for, I don't know, a guinea. Guinea. And then, then you heard a voice say, no, it's a chicken. You remember whose voice that was? That was Mr. Alex that said it the first time, and then Paul also said it was a chicken. And then, um, and then someone says, Bubba, let go of that chicken or something like that? Yeah, just and, holler for Bubba. And whose voice did you recognize hollering for Bubba? Mr. Ellett. Okay. And who's Bubba? Their dog. Bubba, a yellow lab? He was. Did Bubba have his own kennel? He did. Which one was it? Most of the time he was in the first one right beside the feed room. Next, Jim Griffin asks about the witness's last telephone conversation with Paul Murdoch. You had talked to Paul. I think the records show you had a four-minute telephone conversation before that, that video was taken, which you didn't receive until law enforcement showed you but you remember you talked to paul for about four minutes right that's correct and and i believe when, when you were interviewed you said it sounded like mr alec had had pulled up or something to that effect driven up do you remember that no i don't ever remember hearing a vehicle okay i just remember hearing a, a third voice and the next day was it the eighth the next day you went over and went into the house at, at moselle and you saw maggie's parents that's correct and, and that's when Grandma, Miss Branstetter, asked you uh, if you heard Maggie's voice? Yes. Okay. And you told her you did? Told her I heard. I talked to Paul and heard Miss Maggie. And, and you told them in front of everybody that you had um, thought you had heard Alex's voice too, right? That's correct. And he didn't push back whatsoever? No, sir. What, what was Alex's demeanor uh, when you first saw him after the murders and days after what he was just real real distraught sad just tore up about it did he cry a lot yes sir did he hug you he didn't did he cry yes sir did you cry yes sir did he cry the, the day after and the day after i mean that was really sad the defense attorney again circles back to ask about the crucial video recording on this um vi video uh, you've been around alec maggie and paul most all your life did you notice any signs of distress or anxiety or anything out of the ordinary? I did not. And you've been around Maggie and Alec and their whole family a lot? Almost all of my life, yes, sir. Would you see Alec openly show his display of affection and love to Maggie? Yes, sir. And from your observation, they have a close, good relationship? That's correct. And they were loving to each other and, and to Paul and Buster and their friends? Correct? That's correct. And you can can you think of any circumstance that you can envision, knowing them as you do, where 
Allett would brutally murder Paul and Maggie. Not that I can think of. Thank you. That's all the questions that. Judge Clifton Newman offers the prosecution the opportunity for redirect. Anything further? Creighton Waters rises for a few follow-up questions. You were asked some questions about the sheds being unlocked. All ever complained to you that people were up there stealing all kinds of stuff all the time? I was never aware of people stealing anything. When you talked to Paul and heard Maggie and Alec at 840, was there any problem with that voice call or did it come through just fine? The reception was good. The call came through, yes. And the last conversation you had with Paul was he was going to do what if the FaceTime didn't work? Send me a video. And he never did. That's correct. You've heard that video and you hear three voices, is that correct? Maggie, Paul, and Mr. Alec? In the video, yes, sir. When you're uh, standing, if you're at the house or inside the house on the second floor or something like that, can you see the roofs of the sheds and, and down there? The last time I had been out there, yes, you would be able to see the top of the structure. And if you're standing out here in front of them sheds, could you see the top of the house the other way? Same thing, yeah. Last time I was there, you would be able to see the top of the structure. There was trees growing between the houses. And that was a long time ago, right? That's correct. Down there at the sheds, they have like outdoor lighting down there? Yes, sir, they did. And if all that was on, could you see all that lighting from the house? Yes, you would be able to see that there were lights on from the house. If those lights were on, it'd be pretty well lit up, is that right? If all of them were, yes. You were asked about uh, the boat wreck. Were you aware that Paul had been charged in that boat wreck? I was. Were you aware that Alec Murdoch had been sued in that boat wreck? I was. What was your perception of Alec's wealth? Did you believe he was a fairly wealthy man? Yes, sir. How long have you known Alec Murdoch? Pretty much all my life. As you sit here today, did you really know him? The defense rises in objection to this question. However, Judge Newman quickly overrules the objection. Yes, I know Mr. Ellett. But as you sit here today, do you really know him? Yes, I know Mr. Ellett. Anything further? You may step down. With the conclusion of Rogan Gibson's testimony, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we begin our look at the prosecution's efforts to bring evidence of Alex Murdoch's financial crimes into the case, and also present the direct examination of Will Loving, another family friend of the Murdochs. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. 
Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.